actually like being down there closer to you, but you may can see me a little better up here. So. As the writer of Hebrews is ranging through Genesis, he began with creation and then spoke of Abel and Enoch and Noah and now comes to Abraham and, as you might expect, spends most of his time with Abraham because Abraham is viewed as the father of all those who believe. So we begin in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him. Of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Thus the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Bless us, Lord, that we may understand your word, that we may believe you, that we may walk in the faith of Abraham, Lord, that we may believe you right now in the midst of the particular problems, the particular relationships, the particular challenges, the particular ministry, the particular difficulties to which you've called us. Oh, Lord, enable us to believe in your commitment to do us good. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've talked about the overarching idea of this chapter of our trust in him to do us good. It's taken back from verse six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that seek him. That seeking him always is good. That He always does good for those that seek Him. And that those who entrust themselves to Him always will find that He does them good. Here's a passage that really challenges us and encourages us because of the particular, the amazing way that Abraham believed Him. I also refer back to chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Certainly, this is going to be the case with Abraham. 
I want to put this in three uh, basic categories, three points. Trust obeys in the unknown. Okay, trust. We're talking about faith. Faith or trust obeys in the unknown. Faith hopes when circumstances say otherwise. And faith expects his blessing. We'll look at these three points in this passage. First, faith obeys in the unknown. Faith obeyed when he was called to go out to a place and he didn't even know where he was going. Now, for us to move to a new city, generally we'll find out as much as we can about the city. We may even make a visit. We may even have a house to live in a neighborhood that we know of and connections in that city. He was going to a place he knew nothing about. He didn't know what he would face. In fact, it was dangerous to travel and dangerous to be in a place where you didn't belong. That's why uh, Israel was told, you do not hurt the stranger who is among you. Because that was the regular thing that was done. You can remember Lot and how the city was to tried to attack the uh, angels that came into Sodom and Gomorrah. That was standard procedure. Do violence and rob and, and treat any way you want to people who were aliens in your city. So this was an ominous thing that God told him, leave everything familiar Leave all of your family, leave your established well-being, all your houses and everything, and just go to where I tell you. Now, he knew that there was an inheritance, but he didn't even know what it was, where he was going. And, in fact, it's interesting when Stephen is proclaiming this event to the Israelites and he reviews it, he says, God removed him from there where he was into this land in which you're now living, yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, not even a foot, but promised to give it to him as a possession. <clears throat> so the first thing is that Abraham was called into something just darkness. He had no idea where God was calling him. But it's interesting because the the very tense that's used is almost sounds like this in the original, that as he heard it, he obeyed. Or as Westcott puts it, he obeyed the call while, so to say, it was still sounding in his ears. Go to this place that you don't know of, you've never heard of, you don't know what I'm calling you to, go, and he's moving that quickly. Now, for us, what are the applications in our lives of this? God's commands to love one another, God's commands to husbands in marriage, wives in marriage. When he tells us to move into areas relationally, and it may be with husband and wife, it may be with your children, it may be with your neighbor, it may be meeting somebody on Sunday morning. It could be going across the street to begin to minister to someone, to have them in your home. Just that one area, the unknown, is a bit scary, isn't it? In fact, every, many things that God commands you to do in the way of love and ministry take you into an area that's not altogether comfortable. But you see, here is 
Abraham going to a place he never knew about and he didn't know what was going to happen to him. But all he was devoted to was the word of God. That's all he had. Listen to this as Luther writes. This is the glory of faith. Simply not to know. Not to know where you're going, not to know what you're doing, not to know what you must suffer. And with sense and intellect, virtue and will, all alike made captive to follow the naked voice of God. Abraham, with this obedience of faith, shows the highest example of the evangelical life because he left all and followed the Lord, preferring the word of God to everything else and loving it above all things. Of his own free will, a pilgrim and subject to the perils of life and death every hour of the day and night. He just put himself into the word of God and let everything else go. Now, we're we're not suggesting that you try to hear the still small voice of God to go to this place or that place or to do some gray area and, and hazard everything on that basis. But we are saying as God openly, clearly proclaims the gospel to you and how you should act and how you should live and what you should turn away from and what you should give yourself to in terms of love and ministry, however uncomfortable it may be for you, you do so saying, it's the unknown. I don't know where this might lead me. I don't know what hazards there may come to me. But I'm going to entrust myself to the Word of God and give myself to His will. His will alone. I think if Abraham acted like many of us in regard to trying to change in relationship, trying to move into relationships regardless of what it might cost us in terms of giving up our own will and and the difficulty of of being unmasked, the the difficulty of being vulnerable, the the difficulty of finding out what kind of sins I have in relationship to be known by another person and be loved by that person or all of the things that might happen if I really give myself up to minister the gospel to those around me. Aren't those similar things, similar fears that he might have faced to say, Give up everything you've ever known and go somewhere. And that's going to be your inheritance. But see, the promise is that the, the promise is he will be with him. I will be with you. I will grant you blessing in the midst of it. So are you separated from everything else except the naked voice of God? And that voice is in this word. I would suggest to you that there is no possibility of having this kind of life of faith unless you are in this word learning what is the mind of God? What is the purpose of God in this world? What am I to be and to do and think? How, what are my motives to be? I want to give myself freely to his word, even as, as Abraham gave himself to the will of God. But secondly, And this is really amazing. Faith not only obeys the unknown, but it it hopes when circumstances say otherwise. Here he is. He leaves everything to come to this land. And God says, this will be your inheritance. And he gets there and what? You can't have it. 
He, he lives in tents with Isaac and Jacob. And he's in a far, it's, it's as though he's a foreign land. And we get the word for being an alien and a stranger, a sojourner from this. As we are described, this is based on uh, Abraham's life that he lived and, and, his, uh, and Isaac and Jacob lived as sojourners. They didn't own this land. They had no part of this land. Like Stephen said, he didn't have one foot of it. So does this ever happen to you that you expect certain things to happen in your life and the bottom falls out? Disappointment. This isn't what I thought. And in fact, everything around me tells me that God has abandoned me. That's certainly what Abraham could have thought. Like I, 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 I uprooted my whole family I do all of this, and I'm here in a tent. What's that all about? Why did I, what was I thinking? And he died in a tent. He didn't have anything. But this is fascinating. Rather than grow bitter, rather than think God had turned his back on him, he began to contemplate. He began to Think through this whole issue. And this is what one writer, how one writer puts it. His patient waiting became this growing sense of the greatness of the divine purpose. Abraham felt under the teaching of his pilgrim life that no earthly resting place could satisfy the wants and the powers of which he was conscious. He looked beyond the first fulfillment of the promise, which was only a step in the accomplishment of the purpose of God. So even as he was denied the present, it made him all the more believe in the ultimate future of heaven itself. I'm telling you, that is amazing faith. You give up everything and then you come and it looks like you've, you've left everything for Christ and then so many things seem to be falling apart. It, it doesn't appear that, in fact, in some ways, because of the, some things that have happened in my family or in my work, since I've become a Christian, it looks like God is against me. He certainly could have said that, like Joseph later could have said that. Lord, I, I seek to be faithful to you, and then I get sold into Egypt, and then I try to be faithful to my master, and somebody lies to me, and then I end up in prison. What's next? Yeah, you're with me, all right. <laughs> but Joseph believed. And of course, all of that worked to a glorious end as he became second in command in Egypt. It's the same faith, isn't it, that Abraham has here. He was looking to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. This word designer is from which the word we get technician. So it means an artisan. A maker, builder, pointing to that which God prepares for us. It, it points to the fact, as he, as he mentions foundations, the tents certainly don't have foundations. And anything else you put your trust in in this world has no foundations. But he was fixed upon the coming city of God, the coming blessing of God. And so it really ultimately didn't matter if he didn't have the fulfillment in this life. And so... I had one, we have one friend who, uh, whose husband left her. He had been to seminary. 
He was a professed Christian. He left her with seven children to shack up with someone else. To this day, she's not married. So does she look and say, I tried to marry a Christian. He professed to be a Christian. I wanted a Christian family, a Christian home. Father and mother see our children. And it's gone. You know what she does? She looks to the fulfillment when she, even as a woman, will be fulfilled in every way. God will fulfill her in that final day. Instead of saying, life isn't fair, God turned His back on me, she is looking with great hope to what God will do for her. If He never brings her another husband, that He is her husband, and He will close with her in that final day. She fixes her hope upon heaven. So, the, the final blessing of God begins to dictate how we deal with everyday life. It, be, it begins to be our reality. Why was Abraham, why was he able to live in the land of promise without the land? As in a foreign land, because, it says, for he was looking forward to the city. You think that believing in the heavenly life does you no good on earth? It does every good on earth. It does every good on earth. It makes you more and more tender and patient toward your husband or wife, your children. It it makes you want to give yourself away to your neighbor because you begin to think, what could I lose? I've got heaven. I've got all things in Christ. So, faith obeys in the unknown, and faith hopes when circumstances say otherwise. Because faith fixes itself, even at the point where it looks like God is against you, faith even reaches further. (laughs) It's amazing that, that Abraham drew more out of adverse and totally opposing circumstances that sometimes we do out of the promise of the cross. You know? We've got the cross that tells us this is God's love towards you in Christ. This is the measure of what He will be doing for you in every one of your circumstances. This is a measure of the final kindness He's going to pour out in your life forever and ever and it will not be taken away from you because a God who would give His Son will never let you go. And He'll do anything for you if He gives you His Son. So, we have the most glorious expectation because of what Christ has accomplished for us. But then, finally, faith expects His blessing. Now, of course, we've already touched on a similar thing, that it expects His blessing, but I want to touch on a different element of that as we talk about this, because this was expecting some particular blessing in this life of the power to conceive. Now, here is a little bit difficult uh, textual problem and, and, and a, a problem of trying to understand what uh, the writer of Hebrews intended here. Either way, it's the same faith in this power to conceive. But the question is this. 
because the more the more we've studied other manuscripts and other uses of this phrase of conceive, the more it's been shown that in every case, this doesn't refer to the females receiving the male, but it refers to the male's contribution to the female in conception. Okay, so then the question is, wait a minute, is this talking about Sarah then or Abraham? And for a long time, it was assumed that even though that generally seemed the case, maybe this is an odd use of that phrase and it refers somehow to uh, to Sarah. So we can go either way on it. Translators tell you and commentators that it's a difficult issue. But some of you may have the NIV right now and you're looking at it. And this is how yours reads. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. That's a little bit different, isn't it? And it shows, and this is open in public, so I'm not like telling you something, oh no, you know, this is, this is the two different translations that you may have right before you. And I would lean some toward that translation because of the meaning of that verb that it seems to be talking about the male and not the female. Either way, it's talking about this basic thing, whether it's talking about Abraham's faith or Sarah's or some of both. It was the faith to believe that God would enable them to have a child. So that's what I want to focus on. I'm just letting you know in case you've got that translation. Why does it say Abraham when he read about Sarah? Because there's a little question as to which one they're talking about. But here's the real point. That because of faith, a blessing came to them. And it's clearly because of that faith that this blessing came to them. And we could say apart from faith, the blessing would not have come to them. In fact, earlier in chapter in, in Genesis 15, when God said that you will have descendants as many as the stars in the sands of the seashore, it says that Abraham believed him and it was counted to him as righteousness. So this was a, a very important thing. In fact, that that faith is spoken of many times in Scripture. Paul makes a big deal of it in Romans of the faith that Abraham had believing in God's mercy. You see, this is a faith that expects God to do good, expects God to to give a mercy, expects God to fulfill a promise of, of good to them. And so the application that I want to have for us is believing in the rich promises of his salvation, particularly in your own growth as a Christian. If they believed in the great promise that he specifically spoke to them that they would have a child, then we must believe in the great promises as to how much we can change in Christ Jesus. And believe and expect and never quit praying for those changes in our lives. One example, of course, is Paul's great prayer in Ephesians when he prays that God will work in our inner man through his Holy Spirit. 
And he prays that we would know the extent of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. There are promises in Scripture that speak of how you've received a new nature. Promises that speak of how you are now dead to sin and alive to God. Promises that speak of how the Holy Spirit has made you a temple of the Holy Spirit. And every command in Scripture in the New Testament and now with the Old Testament is in a sense, a kind of promise to you because God commands you and in the gospel he says, and I will put my law in your heart. In the, in the new covenant in uh, excuse me, Ezekiel, he says, I will cause you to walk in my commandments. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. Now, here's my point. Do you... Live And do you work on your life and do you pray and do you examine your life and do you go after change every day based upon this promise? God is going to change my life regularly, systematically, aggressively in every way. He's going to transform my life. It is his promise. And you see promises like this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it says, We're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I'm urging you to read the Scriptures always garnering every promise for any kind of spiritual benefit and say, this is mine. Even as that promise was to Abraham and Sarah. And they believed that promise and they received that blessing. Are you expecting God to bless you every day? Now, you know what I'm not saying? I'm not saying blessing in the shallow sense that, you know, nice things are going to happen to me today. You know, everything's going to I'm going to get a parking place. Right. Oh, I got a parking place right when I wanted to. Oh, this worked out. I got a money in the mail when I needed this fifty dollars. It's fine. All of that's fine. God does all of those things. But I'm talking about the central huge things in your life. That God's going to give me grace. I know I've got to grow in my relationship to my wife. And I'm not going to flub around in that anymore. I'm going to believe, God, you mean for me to be a different man to her today, this week. You mean for me to be a man or a woman of prayer. How long? How long have you thought, you know, I really need to begin to have a real prayer life. Weeks, months, years, dozens of years. Is it going to be forever? Or are you going to believe God means for me to be a man or woman of prayer? Absolutely. When are you going to begin to be a man or woman of the Word? And it's not just, you know, I need to read the Bible sometime. Or more than I do every once in a while. I need to regularly take in His Word and worship Him in the Word. Do you think God might could change you and make you into that kind of person? Do you think His promises orient toward that? I would hope that we wake up every day expecting 
Because it says in in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we must believe that He's a rewarder. We must. Brothers and sisters, if you got up today and didn't think, oh Lord God, I expect that you will pour out your goodness to me today. Then you're acting like an unbeliever. It is not pleasing to God. Did you ever live a day and don't expect Him to do you good? Expecting Him to do you good. And even that is His gift. Okay? I know I'm saying, well, I don't know if I ever really expected. I'm just hoping. That's even His gift. That's even a part of His salvation. Maybe begin there and say, Oh Lord, so save me and give me faith that I will expect your goodness. I will expect you to change my life. And I will give myself so relentlessly based on faith. You see, because Abraham believed, he what? Obeyed. Faith obeys. Faith expects. And faith gives itself to obedience of God. Do you trust in Jesus Christ even to start with? This is what the Lord God has done. He's given His Son to die in the place of sinners so that anybody in here might have forgiveness of sins the moment you trust in Jesus Christ. You're not working your way. You're not going to clean up your act. You come to Him just as you are with all of your sin and problems and messed up life, which every one of us has, and you just bring it all to Christ and you say, Save me. Rescue me. Forgive me. Change me. Take me into your hands, O Lord Jesus, and own me from now on. There's the first step of faith. There's the first step of stepping out into where you don't know, but you're in the hands of a glorious Savior who has died for sinners. Let us pray. O Lord, grant to us grace Grant to us, Lord, this kind of faith in which we obey you in the unknown. And we hope when circumstances say otherwise. And we expect you to bless us. Oh, Lord, forgive us for our unbelief. And thank you that a part of your salvation is that you, as this writer says later, you're the author and finisher of faith. Oh, Lord, be the author in our lives. Grow us in this kind of expectant faith. For we cry out to you in our weakness. We cry out to you in our hardness of heart, in our unbelief, in our suspicion, in our doubt. We cry out to you, Lord. Save us. Grant us true faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to sing the first four verses of Amazing Grace. And then